It is wonderful to have everybody out here for worship here this morning. I know we have some of our uh, families are on vacation right now and they're traveling and so I uh, just uh, want to wish them well and uh, as they're vacationing and spending some uh, quality time before school kicks in. I know we have some of our, uh, our shepherds are also on vacation and so I know Ed and, and Lewis are traveling so if we could keep all of our members who are out and about and uh, enjoying their vacations, let's keep them in our prayers for safe travels and safe return. And also, too, uh, when uh, Tyler and uh, Kara will be heading back to, to college soon, let's keep them in our prayers as, uh, for safe travel as them as well as they continue their education down at Harding. Uh, before we get into today's lesson, I want to do uh, Lewis's uh, message that he normally does here the last so many weeks. Uh, but since he's here, not here today, I'll do it. Uh, DLES is coming up, right? Uh, so we got it to the August uh, 28th through the 31st. And we, want to, we need to make sure that we are strongly represented. Why? Because, A, we should be each and every time we have the opportunity, but we're hosting uh, this year's DLES. But it's not that I just want you to come. The whole idea behind this year's DLES, or trying something different, bringing back that old-time religion, the idea is that each and every one of you invite two or three friends or family members or coworkers. I don't want you to send them a text message because not everybody responds to text. Not everybody looks at their text right away. I want you to take the pamphlets or the trifold folders that will be coming out soon uh, that Becky Metz has been working on. Uh, we should have those here pretty soon. and We're going to start to hand those out. I want you to physically go to somebody and invite them. I want you to look them in the eye and invite them. right? Because is it more powerful to invite somebody in person? when you hand it over and you can maybe answer some questions about what it is, versus just sending them a text saying, hey, if you're available, come on out uh, you know, Wednesday at uh, seven o'clock. No, let's try to actually uh, physically invite uh, people, people who we know are not members of the church, because this year's lesson will help edify the church in, in the sense that it'll give you additional tools to take out as you evangelize. But the goal of this year's uh, 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 DLES isn't to uh, edify the saints, but it's to hopefully bring lost souls to Christ. Yeah. And so we're going to be preaching the gospel uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And so I would ask that you would invite two or three individuals more if you can. But uh, today we're going to get into our lesson now. And if you look on the screen behind me, it's uh, lifetime commitments. I wonder why I would choose a lesson about a lifetime commitment. Uh, how many people here are with us today who have been baptized into Christ? If you've been baptized into Christ, did you sign up for a lifetime commitment? Is it a temporary commitment? It is a lifetime commitment. What does it mean to have a lifetime commitment? You see, I asked that question. You would think it would be a simple answer, but I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, but we live in a society that by and large values compromise over principle, does it not? We live in a society that by and large uh, looks, at looks at things subjectively rather than objectively. We look at things, we look at the relatives of things and not necessarily the absolutes. And so I would, I would uh, say it would not be an understatement to say that it's easy to get away with not keeping your promises. How many people do you know who are not looking to keep promises in really many uh, various uh, areas of their lives? How many times now where, you know, have you guys ever heard the, the phrase, I heard it in my dad's age and my grandfather's age, that a handshake used to mean something? Does a handshake mean today what it meant, you know, in the 60s and 70s, in the 80s? No, it doesn't. And you have to ask yourself, why? 
what has happened in the church and outside of the church, in world, in the world, and then in the in the kingdom, what has happened where your word, your commitments, actually used to mean something? What has caused those things to not mean something anymore? And so we often hear things like, well, things happen. Well, the weather changes. Well, we don't feel good. Or other people didn't follow through. Or, I mean, really, the list can go on and on. And for the most part, most people usually accept our excuses. And so in contrast to our society, when we think about the Lord's church, when we think about the kingdom, are God's people called to a higher standard than those who are in the world? You could all say amen on that one. Has God called his people, the church, to a higher standard than to that of the world? Amen. Amen. And so God's standard surpasses the morals of our, of our society, of our time, and our culture. What do I mean that God's standard surpasses culture and society? Time, uh, God's standard passes, passes uh, 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 transcends every generation, if you will. Why? Because his standard is the only standard that matters. Are there many in the church and outside of the church who, even though they know God's standard, they reject it? You see, brethren, it is, it is God's standard that is based upon his, his eternal character. It is God's standard uh, that he expects us to live by. And I know this because as we study out scripture, you look on the screen behind me. There's a passage of scripture in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. And I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my memory verses that I use, that I've used over the years. And, but notice really what it says in verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy uh, sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. But notice what it says next, which is your spiritual service of worship. You know what that really means? It's your duty. You gave your life over to God in service. To no longer live for your own fleshly desires, but to live for the desires of the Father. And so we, uh, it, it is our spiritual service of worship. It's our spiritual service of duty. And so we have to make sure that we uh, understand what it means to make a commitment unto God. When God made uh, a covenant with the, uh, with the Jews on Mount Horeb, was it to be an everlasting covenant or was it to be a temporary covenant? We know that they treated it as a temporary covenant, but we know also, brethren, that in the New Testament, under the law of Christ, we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. We believe what the scriptures teach. We confess him before men. We're baptized for the remission of our sins. God then picks us up, puts us into the kingdom of our Lord. And then at that very moment, we begin to live out our faith unto God for his glory and not for our own. You see, brethren, we sign up for a lifetime commitment. And that is why it is so very important we understand what the scriptures teach. Because, brethren, when I think of commitment, there's various people in scripture I think of. But you know who one of the main ones that come to me when I think of commitment in scripture? Her name is Ruth. Who here remembers the story of Ruth? Who here has read uh, the story of Ruth? Brethren, if you haven't read Ruth, you need to go back and look at Ruth because she is like really the embodiments, really, of commitments. She was willing to leave her family and her homeland. She was willing to live amongst a strange people with different customs and different beliefs. She was committed to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She was committed to Naomi's people and to their God. And so listen to what the scriptures say on the screen behind me. 
as I read this for you in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 15 through 17. Listen to what Almighty God through the Holy Spirit has said about Ruth. Then she said, Behold, your sister, Naomi said, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said to Naomi, Do not urge me to leave you and to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. For where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your, um, uh, your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, or worse, if anything but death separates me from you. If anything but death uh, parts you and me. Brethren, you look at this example of, in Ruth chapter 1. You look at this example of commitments. It's commitment and dedication that are very important in every, acts of, every parts of life. Who would here not agree that commitment and dedication are not important in every, in every area of life? Yeah. Is commitment and dedication important in regards to your career? Yeah. In regards to your spouse? In regards to your children? in regards to anything that you gave yourself over to. Why is it that many times when, uh, when a child wants to start uh, maybe a new sport that they've never tried, that we say, hey, we'll let you sign up for it, but you're going to finish the season. Why do you say that? Because you made a commitment, and you made a commitment to the team, and then no matter whether you like it or not, you fulfill your commitments. And so we start at an early age to instill into our children what it means to be dedicated to something, what it means to be committed to something. And when we look at Ruth, Ruth had made a promise to Naomi, and she kept it. God had made promises, uh, uh, promises all throughout Scripture. And God is faithful and trustworthy and true, and he always does as he promises. And so we could trust in the promises of God being his children. And we look at Jesus, Jesus being the ultimate example for us. He committed himself to doing the will of the Father, just as we spoke of this morning in Bible study in John chapter 12 and 46 through 50. When Jesus says, I did not speak of my own initiative, but I spoke exactly as the Father has commanded me, because I know that his words contain eternal life. And so, brethren, we need to understand that as, as men and women of God, we could choose to commit ourselves to sinfulness, or we get to choose if we will commit ourselves to righteousness. And so the choice is really yours. What will you choose? If you chose to be a child of God, if you chose to, uh, to become a bondservant of God, as Paul often starts his letters, that means that you have voluntarily gave yourself over in service to another. And you made a lifetime commitment unto the Lord. We understand that in the scriptures it says in the perfect law of liberty, meaning the law of Christ, that we are encouraged to commit ourselves to God who is always faithful and true. And we understand that those who live in obedience to his word are found pleasing in his sight. In all three dispensations, it doesn't mean, matter if it's the patriarchal, the mosaic, or even the Christian era, that those who are obedient and faithful unto God will receive a crown of life. Remember what even Jesus said. If you look on the screen behind me, Jesus was talking to his disciples. It says, if you love me. That little word, if, is a conditional word. If you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. Does Jesus, did Jesus show the love that he had for the Father by doing all that he was commanded of him? 
And he absolutely did. And he became the pure Lamb of God. He became the ultimate, sacri the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And so, brethren, we, as disciples of Christ, need to make sure we show our love for God and show our love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by keeping his commandments unto the glory of the Father. Yeah. And so, brothers and sisters, to be pleasing to God, we must be committed. Committed to not just living uh, for God, and uh, uh, we must be committed to living for God and not ourselves. Because it's when we start to live for ourselves, it's when we start to live to, uh, for our desires, that we start to deviate from Scripture. We start to set aside our faith that once used to be faithful and true. And we start to look to things beyond God, beyond the kingdom, for glory, for satisfaction, and for desire. And so we need to make sure, brethren, we fully understand what it means to be committed and dedicated unto the glory of the Father. Committed and dedicated to our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer. What that simply means is that you follow through with what you said you would do. You made a commitment, and God's going to hold you to that commitment. You guys remember 2 Peter chapter 2, in verse, I think it's about 22, uh, 20 to 22, where it says uh, that the true proverb has been stated that uh, those who have... Uh, those who were Christians, who had heard the, uh, the, the word of God, who have understood the righteousness of God, and yet turned away from it, became like the dog who returns to his own vomit, became like the pig that goes back to wallowing in the mud. He says that's what a Christian is like to God who has broken their commitments. He said it would have been better for you to never have known the way of the Lord than to have known it and, thus, and then basically spit on the sacrifice of God. By rejecting it. I know that sounds, uh, I know that's not the visual that many of you want in your head before you prepare for lunch here in the next 30 minutes, but it's a true visual, right? Many people have seen it. It's disgusting. But God is saying, if you do that, that's what you're like to me. And so, brothers and sisters, we think about the idea of being committed to God and not just ourselves. Never strive for the approval of those in society. Strive for the approval of God. Because as we strive for the approval of society, we then start to justify setting aside the laws of God. We start to justify uh, turning our backs on God and by making sure that we're first and foremost satisfied, even though we know that we're failing God in different parts of our lives. There was an illustration that I read here recently. And in this illustration, it, it says that years ago, there was a, there was a president of a, of a Bible college. And this president of the Bible college, uh, he had a very difficult choice that he had to make. You see, because he was a, he was a, a, a great and, and, and faithful uh, and true servant of the, of the university. And he always did what was best for the university. But you see, he had a wife. And this wife of his for 40 years had come down with Alzheimer's. And it had gotten so bad that he could no longer take care of his wife and really do the job to the best of his abilities. And so he had to make a choice. And one of his closest friends had put it to him. He said, listen, you are 59 years old. And I know you've been married for 40 years. He said, but you're only 59, you got a lot of life ahead of you. Why don't you just put her in a nursing home, have somebody take care of her, and continue about your work? And he thought about it for a little bit. And he had this momentous decision to make. And he called his friend up, and he says, I appreciate your advice, but I have to wholly disagree with it. You see, 40 years ago, I made a commitment to my wife in sickness and in health, to death do us part, 
to love her and cherish her. And that commitment holds true before my commitment to this university. And so I think about that story. I think about the integrity of the man who knew and understood what it made, what it meant to make a commitment. And that commitment came before his career or his own pride or his own ego. And later he ended up writing of the joys and the blessings that he had received during those last special years he got to spend with his wife and care of her. And it got to be to the point to where he would have he cherished it and would have never gave up that time for anything else that this world has to offer. You see, brethren, he made a commitment and he understood what it meant to make a commitment. And likewise, brethren, to be a Christian is to be like in that marriage. You see, because in the scriptures, the Bible says that Christians, the church, the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. And we commit ourselves to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We commit ourselves to him being our redeemer, our savior, our mediator, our high priest in sickness and in health. We promise to love and to cherish our relationship with God in the good times and in the bad times. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, which was different than what, Luke, uh, what was read this morning, and I thought that wasn't my passage, and so I looked it up, in Luke 9 and 62, this is what it was supposed to say. Jesus said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is Jesus telling us here in this very simple verse? Anyone who's putting his hand to the plow and looks back, it's meaning that anybody who's longingly looking back for the life that they were going to have to give up or the life that they're going to have to depart and not sure if they want what Jesus has more than what they already have. No one look, putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It makes me think of that simple, uh, that simple passage of scripture that talks about Lot, his wife, and his daughters. They're fleeing from Sodom and Gomorrah. And as she's traveling, the angels gave specific instructions for them to not to look back. And yet it says she looked back and she was turned to a pillar of salt. It wasn't the idea that she stumbled and kind of glanced back. She looked back longingly. You see, because she started to desire the, uh, the, the fellowship of the worldliness that was taking place in and around her. And so it was during that time, brethren, that she longed more for what she was leaving than what she was going to receive. And so, brethren, we show our integrity by keeping the commandments of God. And we show the, uh, our integrity by keep, uh, keeping our commitments to God as well as our commitments to mankind. If you make a commitment, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Amen. Well, why does he say that? Because he understands how important commitment is. Think about this other idea that we are to have. Before many of us become Christians, how often have you heard an elder, a shepherd, a, a minister, a teacher of the word, tell us that we should really count the cost. Before we give our lives over to Christ, you look at this next passage of scripture in Luke chapter 14. And we're encouraged to count the cost because listen to what Jesus says. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What is the point of Luke chapter 14? That we must hold fast to our sacred commitments before God and before others. Brethren, our commitments, must uh, we must hold steadfastly to them, even when temptation 
Uh, it, even when the temptation in life is to run away from a difficult situation. Even when uh, the temptation is to run away from a difficult relationship. That your commitment must hold fast just like the commitment that that man made to his wife 40 years ago. It didn't matter if he was the president of a prestigious university. His commitment to his wife and his family came first. And just like our commitment to God comes before all other aspects of our, of, our, of our lives. And so at the end of the day, brethren, what does commitment require? Well, it's very simple. It requires trust, trustworthiness, and it requires endurance. When it comes to trustworthiness, we understand that is, we have to ask ourselves, is our word good? Is the word that we make, the commitment we make to God, is it good? Is the word and the commitment we make to our fellow man, is it good? Is your handshake good? Is your word good? Or are you known for an, as, as an individual who often uh, backs out of what he says he will do? Can God trust you? Can your fellow man trust you? It makes me think of James in chapter 2, in verse 21 through 24. Because in James, he tells us here, he tells us here and he speaks of Abraham and his works. It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of those works, his faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. What is the point of James chapter 2? What is he trying to tell us in verse 21 through 24 of this uh, in context to what we're talking about here this morning? It's very simple. The works spoken of in that passage were of, were, were of Abraham's obedience unto God. The work was he was given a, a command. He was given a task. And he could have either chose to do what he was said to do, or he could have rejected it. He was either obedient and faithful, or he was disobedient and unfaithful. In all three, in all three dissipate, uh, dis, um, uh, dispensations, brethren, faithfulness and obedience go hand in hand. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and you look at the Hall of Faith chapter, as, as many call it, Obedience and faithfulness are, go hand in hand in every single example that is listed. But what about endurance? I said that when it comes to commitment, what is required, we talked about trustworthiness, but we also need to talk about endurance. You see, when it comes to endurance, endurance infers that there are going to be hardships and that we are going to go through these hardships, but we must remain steadfast, we must remain committed to the faith that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We understand that we put our hope and our trust in his promises, even when the problems of life uh, stir, even when you get the, uh, the, 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 the untimely health diagnosis that you may receive from your doctor, even when you're struggling with your finances, even when you're struggling in a marriage, even when you're struggling with fill in the blank. You see, brethren, we have to be, we have to have endurance. And I know this because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you notice what it talks about here in this section of scripture that's talking about love. It says, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And what is the last one? It endures all things. Because in order to, uh, uh, to be a man and a woman of commitment and dedication, you have to be trustworthy and you have to display endurance. When it comes to trustworthiness, 
When it comes to endurance and love and grace and mercy and compassion, Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. Jesus remained committed to the Father's will all the way up to his dying breath. He understood what he was going to have to suffer for man's sake. He understood the pain and the suffering that was about to come upon him, and yet he did it anyways. In John chapter 19 and 30, we know that he did it because when Jesus uttered the words, it is finished, it says that he offered up his spirit unto the Lord. He gave up his spirit unto the Lord. And brethren, Jesus fulfilled all that was spoken of him in the, in the law as well as in the prophets. Jesus was committed to, filling, to fulfilling the Father's plan that was set in motion before the foundations of the world. And so when it comes to endurance, brethren, it is not a question of being willing to go straight through, but of actually going straight through. It's not, a, uh, 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 it's not a mention of being willing, but it's actually going. That is the difference when it comes to endurance. It's not a question of saying, I will. It's a question of doing. And so it's not that I will do it, but it's that I'm going to do it, or that I am doing it. You see, brethren, we need to be known as people of action and not just people of words. And the point is simple, that we need to walk the walk and talk the talk. But if you only talk the talk and don't walk the walk, then you become, as James says, uh, an effectual hearer, but a forgetful doer. We need to make sure that we're not forgetful doers, brethren, but that we are effectual hearers, and that because of the dedication and the commitment we have to God, that we do all that is required of us. And if you do that, notice what the scripture tells us. The last passage that we'll look at here this morning in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, notice how endurance is needed in this example. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. But be faithful unto death. And Jesus says, I will give you the crown of life. Trustworthiness, dedication, endurance, love. Brethren, these are the things that are necessary in order to fulfill our commitments that we have, each and every one of us had made to God. God is faithful and true to all who seek him out and are faithful and obedient to his teachings. Brethren, I am thankful for the trustworthiness, for the endurance, for the commitment that Lincoln Park as a congregation has shown over the last century that we have been here on Fort Street in progress. But I'm also understanding that we can't rest on the accomplishments of the past. We have to continue to strive to be better, like many of your great athletes, many of your great musicians, many of the people who, are, who become great and talented in their various vocations. They do so because of the time and the effort and the commitment that they make to their craft. We, as brothers and sisters in Christ, our craft is our faith our, and our plan and our dedication is to the Lord. And if we are willing to be the dedicated, committed members that we told God we would be, that this next hundred years is going to be as great, if not better, than the first hundred years. Brothers and sisters, there is much work to be done in the, within our communities of Lincoln Park, Allen Park, Trenton, Woodhaven, Southgate, Flat Rock, all these various cities in which our members live. There is much that needs to be done. And we need to pray God for, for continued strength on the days when we're feeling weak and not up to the challenge. We need to pray to God for courage when we become to speak, when we become afraid to speak out because of the 
persecution that we're receiving from either government or society. We need to pray for the right words to know what to say in the day that God has put somebody in your path to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to pray for love and forgiveness and compassion and grace as we carry out the will of the Father. Brothers and sisters, as I close this lesson down, it is an important lesson that we looked at here this morning because I'm here to tell you that our mission, our commission that has been given to us in Matthew chapter 28 is to take the gospel out into all the world, teaching them to obey all that the Lord Jesus Christ has commanded us. And, and we know that, brethren, as we baptize people into the kingdom, as they confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as God plants them into the kingdom, they are babes in Christ. And just like any babe, whether it be in human form or in animal form, they need the care and the love of their parents. And they need to be able to raise them up in the, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we have to make sure that we're always striving to do that very thing. If you need help, if you need counsel, if you need Bible study, if you need additional knowledge, I, don't, I can't tell you how often I offer Bible studies to our congregation, and very rarely am I taken up on it. If you want to know more about the Word of God, if you want to know how to take it out to friends and family members and coworkers, all you have to do is ask. I am willing and able to sit down with each and every one of you. Your shepherds are willing and able to sit down with each and every one of you. Brethren, we have many men and women in this congregation who can mentor you and help you to learn the oracles of God. But you have to have a willing heart because you see the problems of society. And if you see the problems of society, you know how desperately we need to take the gospel out into the world. If there's anybody hearing this message today, and maybe you're struggling in your faith, and you need the prayers of the church, or maybe you've received a health diagnosis and you want the prayers of the church, please come forward and let us know how we can pray for you. But maybe you're not a child of God yet because you haven't been baptized. You haven't had your sins washed away. You haven't received the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit. Brethren, you can come forward and be baptized as we stand and sing the song of invitation.